What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. This episode, I was lucky enough to spend time with the wonderful Lauren Arms, a brilliant entrepreneur, business mentor, speaker, and the UK's leading business coach for female entrepreneurs in the wellness industry. Through her company, Well To Do, Lauren dedicates her time to championing other women looking to build a powerful business, make money, and create lasting impact. As an expert in building a business from the ground up, Lauren learned very early on in her career that the key to following any dream or making any change is to simply take the leap and start. Since finding well to do as a passion project and then eventually transforming it into the multiple six-figure business it is today, Lauren has learned a whole lot about what it takes to launch and grow a successful startup and knows firsthand how fear, doubt, and a whole host of limiting beliefs can really get in the way. Lauren has a wealth of knowledge and inspiration to share for anyone wanting to start a business or take an idea and turn it into something more. And in this episode, you will learn the importance of asking for help and seeking out people who can support you along your journey. That one of the most important things is to enjoy what you do and try not to take life too seriously. The power of surrounding yourself with inspiring and positive people. That no matter where you end up, the important thing is just to start and don't wait around for the perfect moment. The importance of approaching networking with an inquisitive and open mind. The power of cultivating a strong self-belief and positive mindset that we should all invest time and money in our own personal development and growth. The importance of getting clear on your why, your true purpose, the power of challenging every belief you have about what's possible for you, and so much more. I know you're going to love this chat, so let's get right into it. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining me today on our Dream Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I'm super excited. We're going to have so much to talk about. And as always, there's always a lot of conversation before the recording. But before we dig in, I'd love to dive in, obviously, to your story. But before 
we do that, I would like for you to think about your childhood. This is something I get all my guests to do. So if you could think back, what were your dreams for the future when you were a child? What did you dream about being or doing? Mm, Such a good question. I grew up in a very small town in Australia, a population of about 11,000. Yeah. And that was the world to me. So I, um, I remember being about six or seven and my dad said to me, you've got bright lights in your eyes. And to me at that time, I felt like as a country girl at heart, I knew that there was more out there. And I think what he was saying was that I would end up being drawn to the city. And I think of the city as, you know, the land of opportunity. So as a small girl, I I had lots of dreams. I was very creative and my parents definitely nurtured that creativity. And so I dreamed of being a fashion designer. I dreamed of being a lawyer. I basically dreamed of having a career that was in some way kind of high powered and exciting and where the action was at. So even though I, at a young age, couldn't quite pinpoint what my career would be, I was definitely ambitious. And I was the kid who would cry when I colored outside the lines. So I had (laughs) high high expectations (laughs) for myself from a very young age. And my parents were both teachers. In fact, my dad was the headmaster of my school. So I think, um, you know, that combined with putting pressure on myself, I just knew that I was destined for something bigger than living in a small town. Yeah. And obviously that has been shaped by ending up living in London on the other side of the world to my family. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, very similar to my story actually, because I grew up on a farm and my dreams were about travel. And here I am, you know, traveling the world all the time. So yeah. I can so relate to that. You want to see something be. Yes, it's very exciting to be here in London with you. So you are such a brilliant entrepreneur, speaker, and the UK's leading business coach for female entrepreneurs in the wellness industry. You dedicate to championing women who want to build a powerful business, make money, and create lasting impact through um, your company, Well To Do, which is absolutely amazing. And I'm always so inspired speaking to you. But I know your career started out quite different to this. I would love you to give us a little bit of a background on how you got where you are today and how you came to be doing the work you're doing right now. Sure. I'll try and condense it down. Yeah. So I moved to the Gold Coast from that small town yep. when I was about 11. And then I ended up moving to Brisbane to study. So I studied business and marketing. I actually majored in international business um, because at that time I thought travel and wanting to at some point live and work abroad. When I started university, I I started studying psychology because I'd done really well at school and basically just enrolled in the most difficult course that I could to make the most of my grades, not really knowing what I wanted to do. But I knew but I was interested in human potential and the way people think. That's always fascinated me. I didn't last long in that degree. It was very science-led and I'm much more creative and humanities-led. So I found it very difficult studying statistics and brain anatomy. And so I took a pause on that and I found myself working for this amazing Australian company. Unexpectedly, I, I decided I was going to work in an admin job for six months, save and travel. And it was sort of a welcomed break for me from studying. Um, I wanted to just do something a little bit mindless for a little while and then just go and see the world. 
But within the first sort of week of me working in this admin job, the CEO had called me into his office and said, you know, Lauren, you did so well at school. You know, you could do anything you want with your life. Why are you working here on reception? And we developed this great relationship. And he said to me, well, if you would like to, why don't you study business? And we'll give you the full experience of working in the various departments of this business. And you can get to know what it is that excites you. And it was an amazing proposition to me. Yeah, um, They offered to pay for my education. In return, I would work for the company for a certain amount of time. And so that was the next three years. I studied business. I decided that international business would be my major. And I sort of developed a role in that company or or the role developed for me that was really framed around helping them to take their product range and expand it into new markets. So quite a sort of boring, I suppose, proposition for most people. They manufactured and sold spray paint to mining and construction companies. But it did mean that when I finished university, I was in this amazing job traveling to the most incredible places that you you wouldn't necessarily choose to go on holiday. So places like Papua New Guinea and northern Chile and places in Africa. Um, and that's where our customers were. So I got a real taste over those three to four years of what it takes to build a successful business, a real flavor of the different components of building a business. And I also had some incredible mentorship from the two owner directors of that company. They they saw potential in me and I'm so grateful for that because it instilled a sense of belief in myself that would later give me the confidence to launch my own business. And although at the time I had never thought I want to be an entrepreneur and, you know, I wasn't the kid selling lemonade in my parents' front garden. I wasn't, I always say I wasn't born an entrepreneur. Like I think some people are. Yeah. It was more that journey of having somebody else cultivate my sense of self-confidence and giving me those opportunities that led me to, to launching my own business So after six years of working for that company and having some amazing opportunities to travel, I thought to myself, now is a good time for me to go and fly the nest, as it were, and sort of grow into my own career and take the next step. So I packed my bags and I moved to London. And people often ask me, what what made you move to London? And there wasn't really a profound reason. It was that I wanted to live abroad. And thanks to the Commonwealth, we were were able to get a visa to come and live and work here, which I was very grateful for. And so I arrived. I realized that I was very much a small fish in a big pond of lots of very talented, qualified, credible people. And whilst I'd been nurtured and given a lot of responsibility and opportunity in the company that I'd worked for in Australia, in London, I was just another ambitious, you know, 20-something-year-old. So it was actually a scary next step for me. And I really realized that it was going to take me to the next level. I worked for a couple of different companies here before realizing that, you know, I wanted to find that passion and fulfillment from my career. Yeah and do something meaningful. And, you know, we were just talking over over lunch about how wellness was sort of a conversation that was being have, had here in, in London and that it was a new conversation for me that people were saying, you know, I'm, I'm into wellness. And I'd never heard that before. As you know, living in Australia, wellness is a part of lifestyle there. But here it's very much a structured industry that people talk about and think about and are attracted to and that community is very much built around. 
yeah, I don't know how much you want me to go into it. Yeah, no, no, it's well to do, but that that was sort of the starting point of that. Yeah, I love to talk about well to do, but I actually want to. So while I was waiting for you earlier, I went on your Instagram, and there was something that I really loved, and I want to read it out, and then I want to talk about it. So you say on your Instagram, four years ago, I decided I wanted to launch a business. I had no idea what it would look like. I didn't have a product or a big idea. All I thought as I launched my crappy WordPress website, as you say it, it's not me, (laughs) with a logo I made myself in Microsoft Paint, was if I surrounded myself with really smart people who have great ideas that maybe I'll stumble upon one too. Well To Do was born by accident. I wrote hundreds of articles, interviewed anyone who would meet me, got rejected by plenty, faked it as a journalist in order to get invite to get an invite to events, all in the name of finding a big idea. And then I woke up one day and realized that Well To Do had sort of become something, so I stuck with it. I'm still largely making it up as I go along and discover every time I speak to another founder that it's not an uncommon approach. But with each day, the vision and the big idea get a little bit clearer. The most important thing, having fun, not taking it all too seriously. If it's not working, try another way. If I don't know the answer, I just ask. And when I read that, it was kind of really relating to how I do things. So I think it's a very common thing for founders. But what I loved about that and what I think would be really good to get into is because I think this podcast has a lot of people listening to us who are interested in the wellness um, industry, but also want to start their own businesses or or now because you you have online and you can you can be an influencer and then that way start a business. I love to discuss in terms of how you started and how we can inspire the people who are listening to kind of not know because I, there is um, there's a really good quote and I often say it here but I never really know if I say it right but it's like you don't have to be great to start but you actually have to start to be great so mm-hmm. love to talk about how you I absolutely read that that was just today and I thought that was so brilliantly said and so valuable for our listeners to hear. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I I look back on making that crappy WordPress site and that is definitely what it was. And, you know, I've already told you that at a young age I had perfectionist tendencies. So that was actually really hard for me to launch that website knowing that it wasn't perfect. But I suppose there's that little voice that says, if you don't just start, then you're going to stay stuck where you are. And something I often say is that I think if you're listening and you and you're at that stage of your life where you want to change something or you want to launch something or you want to move from where you are now to where you dream of being, that really the fear of staying where you are needs to be greater than the fear of figuring out how to take those next steps. That's and a good one. One of my favorite um, books is by a guy called Rob Bell, and he wrote a book called How to Be Here. And in it, he talks about our obsession with needing to know what step 25 looks like, when actually really all you need to know is what step one looks like. Yeah. So as I said in that Instagram post, I, I knew I wanted to launch a business in wellness And that's a pretty broad goal, but I felt that to narrow that down, I needed to just talk to people and meet people and find out how they were inspired to find their big idea. 
And in taking that action, so launching a, a, a blog as it was at the time and writing those articles and sort of forcing myself outside of my comfort zone to go and meet these people, even though I was really a nobody at the time. And that's how you feel too when you're starting out, don't you? Well, I'm just a nobody who's going to want to meet with me, who's going to want to give their time for me. Yeah. I remember emailing somebody and saying, you know, we've had 100 visits to our website. And <laughs> at the time I thought that was – yeah, it was a little bit embarrassing, but it was the honest truth. Yeah. And people appreciated that and wanted to to give me a chance because I was insistent and, you know, persistent and all of those things. But through taking those small steps, you know, one, two and three and not not letting myself get too caught up in the how of step 25, it became something. And I think it's it's that idea of instead of always thinking that you have to take a quantum leap, although I have a belief that that is also a possibility for you, that so much of success is about marginal gains. Yeah. So if you could improve by 1% every day, that creates a compound effect. And all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you've got a business and it was the result of taking all of those tiny little steps. So actually, when I was interviewing people about how they started their business in wellness, I realized that I probably wasn't the only one thinking about starting a business in the wellness industry and that there was really this, this conversation was almost missing. So Well2Do became a hub, a platform for conversation about trends and um, the future of the wellness industry and a place for someone thinking about opportunities to go to to get more informed. And that then, I suppose, snowballed into events. I ran our first event now four and a half years ago, and I interviewed a very successful entrepreneur here in London called Ella Mills. She runs a brand called Deliciously Ella. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's been on our podcast. Excellent. And Ella at the time had a, a new business in wellness and was very inspiring to a lot of people. And so... I decided to run an event and there'd been nothing like this before where I would interview her and ask her how she'd set up and how what her challenges had been and so on. And to my surprise and delight, 200 people bought tickets and and, you know, that was the day that I realized that there's something here, there's something in this. And I could never have necessarily dreamed that up with specific detail. But because I started with a dream of having a business and that it would be in wellness and kind of having these little details around the dream and then taking massive action, it sort of became more detailed and it, and it you know, the form came to the business because I just said yes to opportunities and um, asked questions and yeah. decided to take the risk of, you know, possibly failing in the hope that it would turn into something. Yeah. And I think it, this is a, such an interesting conversation because when I met you, which was a few years ago in London or maybe two years ago, I can't quite remember, and I heard about you through our PR company, but also through other people that we have mutual friends or mutual people that we know, always heard amazing things about you. So as an outsider, you you would think that your business is super established, you knew exactly what you were doing. And I think this is such a good conversation to have because I, I feel very, a lot of people feel that about me that, you know, I, because I started, you know, have no idea, but when they look at Kiki K because it's global and there's stores mm. and it's physical, everyone thinks you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this Reality is- Reality good... <laughs> check, guys. We're just making it up as we go along. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's a good conversation to have because I think a lot of people- 
do not take that extra step to actually start something because they think everything has to be perfect. So I, when I read that, I was like, that is absolutely a perfect way of starting. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you do in terms of, so if anyone wants to come in contact with well to do like how, because I know you do business coaching and when I looked at through your clients, I thought they're all amazing and some of them actually have been on our podcast. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about how, what you do on, you know, on your everyday Yes, of course. And just very quickly, I remember when we first launched um, Well To Do, when I first launched it, and I would talk about we're doing this, we're doing that. And actually, it was just me. And I remember too, somebody emailing to apply for a job. And I thought, oh, my goodness, like these people think that we're hiring. This is crazy. You know, it's me in my bedroom. So as I said, we launched our first event. My boyfriend, now fiance, but boyfriend at the time was taking tickets at the door and seeing people through. And I remember he sold extra tickets on the door that we didn't have capacity for. And I'm so Making annoyed with him it. afterwards. But actually, it was a good thing. The business has very much been built by responding to what our audience want and need. So I've constantly been listening. And one thing I've learned about business is, and Tony Robbins says this, and you know, I've been at one of his events in the last few weeks. Yes. He says, business is about adding more value than anybody else. Yeah. And really, it's not about you creating something that is what you think people want. It's about really what, you know, will solve a problem for the people who you're selling to. Yeah. And although in saying that, you know, we're often inspired by solving problems that we've experienced at any one time, which is certainly the case for Well To Do as well. But the events sort of snowballed into, you know, other opportunities to serve our audience who are primarily entrepreneurs and and business owners in the wellness industry. And when I say wellness, it could be fitness, it could be food and drink, nutrition, supplement, beauty, travel. Wellness is such a broad topic. Absolutely. You know, Kiki K is a wellness business in my mind because ultimately the vision is to you know help people to have a more meaningful and connected and well life yeah so um bringing that audience of businesses together for us meant that you know there were lots of problems that they were that they shared or commonalities in the struggles that they were having so we we started to write reports and sell those digitally through our website we launched a consultancy business within well to do so we help big businesses and so big multinationals to innovate within the category of wellness and we also help small businesses to get started or find funding or to build a team And one of the other aspects of the industry that I realized was a challenge was not only starting a business in this space, but also finding a job in the industry. So lots of people that I meet say, I'm really passionate about wellness and I live and breathe it every day, but I wake up on on a Monday morning to a job that I hate. And that saddens me so much that we launched Well-To-Do Careers, which is about helping people to find jobs in the industry. Which I just love, which is so good. Yeah. So, so if anyone is interested in finding a job, is that global or just... So right UK? now it's UK, but the ambition really is to roll that out globally. And there are so many amazing companies to work for in this industry. And we're certainly building a vision to, to make that easier. And then, as you said as well, I also support female entrepreneurs. So I meet a lot of women who are um, passionate about wellness and want to make that, you know, a business and a success, but perhaps have this story around um, turning something that they love and are passionate about into a successful business model and making money. So I've been lucky enough to support some incredible women to take an idea in the wellness industry and cultivate that into a commercial business proposition. 
And that is brings enormous value for me and for them to be able to create something meaningful and scalable as well. Love that. And I think it's a service that you're providing that is so valuable because I think we all have a story, regardless how confident we are in business or what we're doing, we all have a story, you know, from childhood or whatever it is. So for anyone listening and are not able to do the coaching with you, where should people start in terms of really going from thinking about an idea to actually, you know, launching? So if so if someone was coming to you and they were thinking, oh I'm not sure how what would you what kind of advice would you give to mm. kind of take that leap? For sure. So I suppose um, some of the key things are, you know, thinking about who that client is that you want to serve and really what the problem is that you're solving for them. So, you know, another aspect of business in my mind is just constantly thinking about the outcome or the problem that you're solving rather than what the product or service is itself. And I love that you were saying this as well with Kiki K, everything about your business is a marketing exercise. So everything is about evoking an emotion or a sense of how you can shape somebody's life so that it can be better in a way. And really building a business starts with getting clear on that. So getting clear on who you're serving, getting clear on the problem that you're solving, and then it's the mechanics of it, right? I think what's so interesting about building a business is that it's a journey of personal discovery. It's, you know, I've learned so much about myself on this journey and uncovering those limiting beliefs or uncovering the stories that are holding me back around making money or being successful or being business minded. A lot of clients say to me, oh, I'm not business minded. And that's a belief. So that will shape your business if you have that belief. So there's the mindset piece and then there's the strategy piece. And I think both go hand in hand I don't want to go on about Tony Robbins again but he says yeah I love it I actually was going to ask a few questions about that it's uh it's 90% psychology and 10% strategy and it's interesting because at one point in my business I had the strategy but I didn't have the right mindset and and I think the reverse is often true. You can have a really positive mindset around building a business, but then not know exactly what the steps are to take. So I, I'll often encourage people to, you know, invest in themselves in terms of education and learning to know that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're always needing to learn. And that's why coaching is great. Yeah. But also so there, there are so many courses and events and places to go to connect with other entrepreneurs and really surrounding yourself with other entrepreneurs is a big part of this. Yeah. If you're trying to build a business and you're surrounded by people saying, you know, you're crazy, you should stay in your corporate job that's safe and secure or what you're doing doesn't make sense or, you know, we don't believe in it, then that's going to hold you back as well. So I think, you know, those few pieces of the puzzle to begin with are really what shape the foundations for a successful story having the right mindset, having a strategy. So looking at other business models that that are similar to the the model that you want to build and being inspired by that. I did that a lot in the beginning. Not feeling that you have to reinvent the wheel. Um, There's so much to be learned from existing businesses and, and other successful entrepreneurs' stories, listening to podcasts like this. And then, yeah, really surrounding yourself, I think, with a community that want to lift you up and support you to take those big, brave, bold steps rather than people who want to want you to stay where you are so that they feel better about, you know, perhaps that they're not moving forward with their dreams. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I think who you surround yourself with is just so important because if you have some friends that are, you know, safe and 
want to keep things small and you have big dreams, that will never work in terms of you need to then go out and find those people for sure. So that leads me into a really good questions I think we should cover in terms of networking or reaching out for help. Because I think the people sometimes that I meet say that they feel really uneasy. And especially if you're like new to the wellness industry, for example, you might not be into yoga, you might not be into all the, you know, whatever wellness means for each individual. But what advice would you give to people who wants to kind of get into the wellness industry and, you know, network? And obviously not everyone who are listening will be in the UK. So otherwise we could just say come to your event. But even if they go to an event, some people do not like networking or feel a bit shy or thinking that that they don't belong. So what kind of tips would you give to those people? Mm. Yeah, networking is a challenge for some people, but I think that if you go in with a sense of curiosity and an inquiring mind rather than a panic of what am I going to say when people ask me questions, which is usually what makes people feel unnerved um, in a networking scenario, to have a kind of fallback of a few questions that you're going to ask when you have the opportunity to meet somebody. So that could be, you know, um, how could I help you? Or can you tell me more about your journey and and how you've created what you've created? That sort of attitude of inquiry rather than an expectation that you're going to be put on the spot or made to feel awkward because you're a beginner. And saying that everybody, no matter how successful they are, was a beginner at one point. And when you realize that, you realize that it's not so uncomfortable to admit that in a in a networking scenario. You know, I'm new to this. I'm finding my feet. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do in my career. And I'd love to find out more about you and how you made that that transition or, or went on that journey. I have to say, you know, if you go where wellness people go, you will connect with the people who you need to connect with. Yeah. Whether that's a local yoga studio or whether that's a conference in the US, you know, anywhere on that spectrum is an opportunity to immerse yourself. And I think immersion is the best strategy to getting into this industry, making it your life, making it your obsession. And in a lot of ways, I did do that. It became the thing that I that I wanted to, to be surrounded and, and immersed in. And so it was the people that I was emailing. It was the people that I was having coffee with. It was you know, and you said that again, when you read that Instagram post, it wasn't that everybody said yes to me, but you have to be prepared that if you get a no, that sometimes that just means not now. Sometimes, and I've heard it said that no is an acronym for next opportunity. I don't know if you've heard that one. So that I suppose gives you a sense of resilience that you have to cultivate. And I read recently too, story about um, a particular entrepreneur and I can't remember the details of it but the the crux of the story was if you go into networking opportunities or meeting people with an attitude of people say no to me which lots of us do lots of us have that that default setting of people you know don't want to support me or are too busy with their own things then that sort of sets you up for disappointment whereas cultivating a belief that people say yes to you means that when someone says no, it's it's not, not the default, it's not the expectation, it's actually a bit of an outlier. So I tried to cultivate that sense of people want to support me, people want to say yes to me, people want to see me succeed. And that's the belief that you start with and that if you take into networking opportunities and when you're emailing people to ask them if they would meet with you or help you connect with the right people, that actually lead to fruitful outcomes and 
keep your eyes open to opportunities rather than always focused on the limitations or barriers which inevitably do come on the on the journey of building a business yeah yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, mean, I was actually, I had Michael Wong on uh, here on the podcast on an episode and he was saying that it's a per- when you're traveling on your own, it's a perfect opportunity to join a local yoga studio because the community in a yoga studio is so uh, beautiful and caring and nurturing. So so um, for anyone listening, if if that's what you want to do, um, yoga studio is always a good start. Yeah. And I find that too when I travel to go to local yoga studios, it always makes you feel part of something. So, yeah, good advice there. So let's talk a little bit about Anthony Robbins because <laughs> I had the privilege of having lunch with you before this podcast and I just love hearing. So I'm a big believer in learning and constantly learning and reading and obviously a big fan of the crazy Anthony <laughs> Robbins. <laughs> He's actually on my list of guests. I one day want to have him. Amazing. It's my dream to um, get him on here one day. So I will continue thinking that's possible. And you know what I do uh, talking about, you know, that mindset of, you know, yes, I actually created like people like Oprah and Anthony Robbins and people like that uh, because the asset that we do create when we launch a website is a photo of you and me and it's together and it's the name of the podcast and I already created that with like Oprah and Tony Robbins etc so I see it so I have it um, on my vision board and in my vision board book because then I get used to it so when I have Tony sitting here in a few few... (laughs) (laughs) no exactly (laughs) I love that. It's already impossible. Yeah, it's yeah. already on its way to Exactly. You. And I really truly, truly believe that, you know, all the dreams, we're going to talk about dreaming in a minute, but to actually see it and feel it and, you know, not just your head thinking about it, but your whole body feeling um, part of um, what you want to do. So I think that's really important. So mm. so tell us a little bit about what, what did you get out of it? So what was the event with him? So I went to Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago for a five-day conference called Business Mastery, which is Tony Robbins five days, business strategy, business mindset, the whole hog, um, his seven forces of business mastery, which, as I said before, are very much a combination of recognizing that business is a spiritual game. So it is a journey of understanding who you are and what holds you back and what you really want for your life, what you truly desire in terms of impact or how you want to live your life. And then also just the mechanics of it. And gosh, where you and I, I'm sure we both agree that you're you're always learning how to run a business, whether that's, you know, how to launch a website right at the beginning or, you know, perhaps for you it was how do you even get stationery made? Like what does that process even look like? Um, finding a manufacturer or if you're wanting to open a yoga studio, you know, how do you navigate finding a property or opening the doors or, you know, ordering the yoga mats? There's so much to learn. It's vast. And, you know, five years in, I went to this event, very open-minded and very, you know, cognizant of the fact that I, there's lots that I don't know yet. Mm. And so we spent you know, long days, 9am till 10, 11pm at night, just taking in information about optimizing your business and things that if you're listening to this and you're just starting out, probably sound quite intimidating in a way. You know, how do you optimize your finances so that you know what your operating cash flow is and you know whether you've got the the breadth in your business to actually sustain you to grow and not just grow for the sake of growing but grow in a way that's sustainable and 
that actually allows you to have the impact that you want to have with your business and that you understand not just what you do in technical terms, but what you really do as a business, what your mission is. And there are so many moving parts to a business as it grows that you quite often don't take that bird's eye view, that that outside perspective on your business that you so desperately need to take because you're caught up in the day-to-day admin of just running things and just keeping things going. Yeah. So it was really helpful for me to take five days out of my business, albeit it wasn't the best time and it never is a good time. We had our biggest conference of the year two days after I got back with 300 people. But I sort of thought, you know, there's never a perfect time for for something like this for us to to go away and, and actually think about the big picture. But what I learned and one of the key takeaways was that as you grow, you have to get used to the idea of being a business owner and not an operator because when you start out, you're doing everything you're, you know, responding to every customer inquiry, you're, you know, delivering product or service, you're every moving part of the business, your marketing, your HR, your finance, your operations, your everything. And then at some point you grow your team and we're doing that right now, you know, we're up to a team of seven. And so I'm learning that I need to be the owner of the business and not stuck in every single decision that happens. We have to have proper value chains. We have to have clear processes. We have to know how to read our data. And they're not things that naturally excite me. But when you think that if you understand those things, you're going to multiply your impact and reach more people, then I am excited because I believe in our mission. Yeah. So I came away feeling slightly overwhelmed, but also very excited that I now have this whole host of insights and tools and strategies that I can implement. And that's the reason that it's so important to go to these types of events. And it's interesting because when I talk to a new client about investing in business coaching with me and, and having me support them they're often surprised when I say that I have a business coach as well and I think as you said before it's easy to look at someone successful and think they know all the answers they haven't figured out but you know you and I often talk about the events that we're going to the summits or courses that we're enrolling in and it doesn't really matter where you are you always need to be learning from somebody else you know Tony Robbins has mentors which blows my mind he has Um, a board of billionaire mentors and and business people who advise him on his businesses. And so when I go to invest in his events, I'm also investing in everything else that he's invested into. And I try and convey that to my clients as well, is that we're all on this continual spectrum of learning and being able to share that with your audience. Yeah, I I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, it's it's learning, but it's also being inspired to sometimes when you've done it for a long time, you need to look at different ways of doing things and it always constantly improve and not just business, but also personally. So I feel like, like it's a journey. You never stop learning. And I think, um, I think it was the Microsoft new CEO that came in a few years ago where Microsoft had the attitude of, of uh, knowing it all and he was changing it to learning it all and I always felt that like you know I there's so many things I still have no idea and and for anyone listening actually starting out young and new there's so much changes so regardless how even if you look at someone who's like 20 years ahead of you they are actually because the change now compared to what it was 20 years ago is completely different and, and really you need to learn new things with technologies changing you know 
constantly and very fast. So mm-hmm. it's I think you never stop learning and, and and that's what gets me excited. Like there's always something new to learn and it's the most challenging time for retail, for example, but it's also the most exciting time because it's a time to reinvent and re-look at things and, you know, look at what didn't work and what's working and, you know, data-driven decision versus, you know, the gut feel that you have in the mm-hmm. beginning. So it's all very exciting, but it's also, of course, comes with a bit of challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Brendan Bouchard says that the difference between a successful person and somebody who doesn't achieve their goals is that when you realize that you don't know the answer to something or you don't know how to do something, a successful person says, okay, I don't know how to do this, so I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to ask someone who does know the answer or I'm going to invest in a course or I'm going to read a book or, and we're in the age of information. There's nothing you can't find out on the internet. And whilst it can feel overwhelming, the answer is there and it might take time for you to learn it, but then you can step over that hurdle. And yet there are plenty of people who say, I don't know how to do that, so I'm not going to do anything. And that's what holds so many people back. Yeah. So it's being prepared to say, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have a um, thing on our wall in our office say, don't say no, say how. There's always a way. I love um, that. Yeah. It's not about not knowing or or if you get a no, like, okay, well, it didn't work that way. What's what's another way of doing it? We need another it? find a yeah. way around. Yeah. 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 I love that. So for anyone listening and thinking, I really want to start a business inspired by you, just give three tips where they should start. Oh, okay. Three tips. So the first one I would say is find out really what your why is for starting a business Mm. because in the darkest hours when you're alone or in you know the the troughs of challenges and difficult times which inevitably will come you need to know why you started it yeah and it was something that we we dove into at the Tony Robbins event why did you start this business and I had to take myself back four and a half years and and refresh what that that was so really articulate what it is that that purpose is and that can be the impact that you want to have on your audience or your client or your customer but also you know the life that you want to live so I know for me it was being able to have the freedom to travel between the UK and Australia and never having to choose it was wanting to feel um, empowered and free and like I could define success on my own terms which I found difficult working for for somebody else in in a business so really getting clear on your why the second would be really understanding what it is that could hold you back from achieving success. So that's that personal development journey. Yeah. And we're not all on that journey. I think if you're listening to this, you probably are because you follow Christina because she inspires that way of thinking, but not being afraid to really understand who you are and perhaps what needs to change about your story to allow you to achieve massive levels of success that you never dreamed possible for yourself And that comes with some pretty uncomfortable work sometimes, some pretty scary stuff about asking, you know, what are the stories that are going to hold me back from achieving this massive success? And then the third tip, I think, would be to always invest in yourself. And we've covered that, haven't we? It's always see yourself as somebody who's learning and growing. Never see that journey of learning as ending. That is life, a, a constant journey of just 
becoming more by learning a better strategy, by plugging into to people who know more than you do, of which there are so many for all of us, and also making financial investments in yourself. Because I, I never realized really the true value of that until the first business coach I hired. I'm definitely taking advantage of how much free content there is on the internet and podcasts are brilliant for that. But there's something about making a financial investment in yourself that almost guarantees a return because there's an energy around money that we know, you know, will motivate us. We want to see a return. And that's the amazing thing about money is that it's a transactional thing. If I pay you, I expect value in return. So there is something really valuable about spending money on a conference, spending money on a a trip, spending money on a beautiful notebook, you know, because you, you're going to want to use that notebook. You want to, you want to get value out of that conference. You want to learn from that business coach. And so not being afraid to see yourself as the most valuable asset in your business instead of everyone else being the most valuable or everything else about your business being the most valuable because really a business doesn't exist without you. So that investment I think is is key. And as soon as I started investing in myself and shifting my mindset, everything accelerated for me and my business. Yep. Love that. I could not agree more. I spent so much money. I think most of my money actually <laughs> on books and courses and conferences. And I always feel like that I get so much more than I pay for it because um, you walk away inspired, new ideas and just never stops. Yeah. And sometimes I use this example. It's a silly one, but I remember a couple of years ago, a PR agency gave me a year free pass to a yoga studio in London. I could go as many times as I wanted to throughout that year. And guess how many times I went? Once. (laughs) Because I didn't have the attachment to the value of what that year access pass meant to be. If if I'd paid for it, I would have wanted to get a return. And I think that's the power of making an investment in yourself and seeing the value of that as a return on investment. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Let's move into dreaming, one of my very big passions. I think the last time we saw each other and I cannot remember where that was but it doesn't really matter I think you said to me and you might need to correct me because my memory might not be perfect but you were saying that you were discussing who are living their dream life and I think you said me and I think that's interesting because one thing I want to talk about is first what is your dream life but secondly I also wanted to reinforce that when you look at someone's life (laughs) through Instagram or whatever it is, and we always have this debate, me and my friends, that how much do you share in terms of your life? Because obviously my belief is that life is 50-50. Like that's Mm -hmm. how I see life. Like there's 50% negative and 50% positive. So, for example, it's an amazing – my positive sitting here with you is amazing. My negative is that I'm not with my kids. So there's always a positive and a negative in everything. Mm -hmm. But I feel that often people talking about, um, especially through, you know, social media, that they they often see just one side. And we always have this debate um, within the business but also with my friends that that I as a person like to be motivated so I don't want to see people's negative things because you want to see the real thing but you don't want to reinforce the negative because you know because I as a person know that that's there but how do you see that because obviously being in the in the wellness um, industry how do you see uh, you know the balance between being real because obviously with the wellness industry there's often someone like 
Ella is a perfect example. Having really struggled, you know, and being unwell and turn it around to a positive is amazing. Mm. But when you then become like her, who has millions of followers, and how how real do you need to be in terms of sharing everything? So what's your view on that? And then we'll go into your dream life. Mm, so social media is a tricky one, isn't it? Because we know in so many cases, it is a highlight reel. I think more and more people feel that sharing the struggles is also important. But I'm a bit like you, I, I recognize that life is not always easy, but I choose to focus on the amazing aspects of life that I can be grateful for because I recognize that it is a choice and that there are always two ways of looking at something. And it's the story that you choose to, to believe that will influence how you feel about whatever's happening to you. So yeah, I appreciate and I remember when I first started my business, how important it was for me. This sounds terrible, but to read about the failures that other entrepreneurs have experienced, because it's very easy to obsess over the success stories and also to create a story there about what success actually is and let somebody else's definition of success, you know, define yours. And one thing that you said to me, actually, I was interviewing you for one of our events, must be about three years ago. And you said, I don't have anyone in the business that reports to me. And it was such an interesting insight for me because a successful CEO in my mind was someone who had lots of people reporting to them. And, you know, that gave them a lot of power and they were a leader and actually, suddenly I stopped and realized that there are different ways of being a leader. And I felt this weight drop off my shoulders because I thought, you know, here's somebody who is very successful and inspires millions of people and doesn't have anybody reporting to them. You know, that doesn't add up in my predefined version of what success means. So it's it's so valuable to learn these stories and these defining um, aspects of other people's success, but then to also question everything that you currently believe about what success means for you and create a picture that actually resonates deeply with you enough to motivate you to build a business that works for you and your lifestyle. So there's not a one size fits all. There's not a, a a playbook for building a business that works for everybody. You know, you know, there are successful people who are introverts, there are successful people who are extroverts. There's no set criteria for what a successful entrepreneur looks like. Yeah. And I think, I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah, no, this is perfect. I think, yeah, it's so valuable to to use platforms like social media to help you define that vision. But ultimately, the power is with you to question everything and take a view of success that actually works for you and excites you and is truly what, you know, resembles an exciting life for you. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a brilliant point bringing that up with the, me having no reports because I remember telling that to some of my entrepreneurial friends or entrepreneur friends and they actually said that's going to be possible. This is many years ago, so mm-hmm. now they're used to it. But And I think I put that on an Instagram post the other day, but it doesn't really matter. But impossible is actually just someone's view. What do you think is impossible and what I think is impossible might be completely different. It depends on where, what stories we have and what we are used to. But it was a dream of mine. And when I said it out loud uh, many years ago, 
I wanted it, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be possible. Mm. But I just kept that as a, I really wanted because I felt like when you start your own business, you have everyone reporting to you to start with, and then you, you know, becoming less because of um, the structures. And, and, you know, I was the CEO, and we, you know, me and Paul used to swap it. If I thought he was doing a not so great job, I said, hey, I'm going to take over. And, and then when I didn't do so good job, he said, I'm just going to take over. And we mm-hmm. kind of swapped and we, we worked really well together because of um, our different strengths. So that worked really well. But it was my dream to, to um, not having any reports because I really wanted to utilize my strength, which is not managing people and not something I enjoyed either. I, I love mm. spending time with people, but I didn't want to speak about, you know, if they were not performing, etc. That was not my – and some people are so brilliant and made for that. That was never my thing. And, and uh, it's a good example, actually, because a lot of people said that's going to be impossible. And it's not an easy – like it's a challenge within the business because I can come in and say things and they might listen to me, but then they don't report to me. So it's a bit of a challenge. It's absolutely not perfect, but it, it's what I wanted. And, yeah. And – if someone had said to me before that, you know, to be a successful business owner, you must have a team reporting to you, I possibly wouldn't have challenged that. And one of the processes that Tony Robbins takes you through when you're addressing a limiting belief in your life is to ask yourself, what if the opposite was true? And it's so important to do that constantly when you're building a business or just going through life yeah. to say, well, what if, you know, this belief that I have about you know, not being business minded or having to have heaps of people reporting to me when I'm not a good leader. What if the opposite were true? Yeah. And when you flip it, then you ask yourself, well, what what evidence is there around me to support that the opposite is true? So yeah. then you gather some evidence. And so for me, it would be, you would be some evidence. Well, you've got a successful business. So that proves that it is possible. And you know, also it means that I'd be playing to my strengths. So that's another piece of evidence that you reinforces this new belief. And that's the process of breaking something down that maybe for tens of years, you know, 20, 30 years you've believed is true. And all you've done is just flick the switch on it. Yeah. Flipped it on its head and said, what if the opposite were true? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I heard someone else, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but one of you know the personal development people that we listened to was saying because when we're dreaming, dreams are big, and you know it could be anything you want to do, but you might not even be close to being able to achieve it. But then. I think it was actually, um, and I'm not sure who said it, but it was based on Nelson Mandela who was um, in prison and, you know, was negative and couldn't get out and never thought. And then he was like, but what if I could get out? What, what, who do I need to become to come to get out? And then he started to do articles to the US and, you know, it was mm. just, and, you know, obviously and then he ended up leading his nation. So, so it's such a good lesson in that because what if it was possible? So when we are creating big dreams that we sometimes almost feel you know, embarrassed to say uh, because you don't actually know how you're going to do it, but what if that was possible and if it was possible who do you need to become and what do you need to do to to Mm. do it so Mm. what is your dream life like what would you do if you couldn't fail Mm. oh such a big scary question now (laughs) because as you've said I'm admitting this to potentially lots of people I guess quite simply I dream of you know impacting millions of people and allowing them to turn something that they're passionate about into a reality and um and into a business I know what it feels like to do work that 
doesn't matter to me. Mm. And I think that everybody should do work that matters. Mm. Work is a part of who we are as people. Yeah. Um, and work is, you know, is the meaning that you create that impacts people around you. It's not just sitting at a computer or, you know, being in a, in a professional role every day we do work and in some form or another in service to, to the world. And my dream is to allow people to feel they have the freedom to do, you know, work that lights them up and, and makes, sets their soul on fire. Mm. And I suppose I've started with wellness, but, you know, and wellness is all encompassing. And I love that it's expanding in terms of its definition. And I love that it's an industry that desperately the world needs in some form or another, whether that's the well-being of an individual or the well-being of the planet that we inhabit. And I love that there is more and more of a conversation about, you know, the planet that we live in and protecting yeah. that for future generations. So I think the more people that I can empower to build businesses that have deeper meaning and deeper philanthropic intention and charitable aspects and sustainable aspects to them, then the better this world will be. And I think if more people could enjoy the work that they do, we would be living in a happier society as yeah. well so that's on a kind of professional dream list I guess for me personally I I want to have a, a happy family I'm getting married in three months and that's the first step in that for me is yeah. that I've found someone I want to spend my life with and Actually, last year, we, I ticked off a big item on my dream list, which was that he was able to leave his job and come to work for Well To Do. So yeah, fantastic. We're now um, business partners, although he likes to joke that I'm his boss, but we're very much business partners and building this dream together now, which um, was a big step for me to bring to life another part of my vision, which is to split my life between the UK and Australia yeah. and to never have to choose and that's another impossibility that a lot of us buy into is, you know, that we have to choose where we're going to base ourselves. Yeah. And, of course, there are challenges, as you know, of having an international lifestyle. But I studied international business. I set myself on that trajectory. And yeah. I, I know that the way that the world is evolving, it's becoming much easier yeah. to live that kind of lifestyle. So, yeah, I, I guess my, my dream life is to just live every day in a state of gratitude and, you know, appreciation that I do live in a privileged society and to never lose sight of the gifts that I've been given to have a, an impact, that I am a woman who can start a business in a city like in London, you know, that I am free to travel, that I am free to... Uh, have a family and that I am free to achieve those things that that I want to achieve and as part of that it's giving back to you know perhaps other women who who don't have access in the same way that I do mm. beautiful love your dreams and no doubt that you will achieve them because you have the right mindset for sure Something I like to share with the readers in my book is that I found great inspiration from dreams and experiences of others. Who would you say inspires you? Oh, so many people. I think that we have already talked in the few hours that we've spent together about a lot of the people who inspire me. People like Tony Robbins who, you know, who have given their lives to 
to inspiring and uplifting others, people like you who run businesses with purpose, people like Oprah who have overcome, you know, the most incredible Mm. adversity. When you hear the story of her life, it's just beyond moving. Yeah. Especially for somebody like me who, you know, I'm quite honest about the privilege that I've had. I wasn't brought up in a wealthy family, but I didn't want for things. And my, you know, I've had a stable upbringing with wonderful, loving parents. And yet there are incredible people in the world who have been through, you know, enormous amounts of trauma to become who they are. Yeah. And to ultimately give back. The people who inspire me are sometimes just the everyday people who have an optimistic outlook on life, who see life as an opportunity to constantly learn and grow rather than to be constantly bogged down in the negativity of what's going on. And you mentioned before that you're not one to to watch the news and things, and and I appreciate that because there's so much information that we could let overrun our minds that keep us in a state of I can't do this or you know the economy is on a downturn or the climate emergency is you know going to mean that our children's children won't be able to survive in the world and yet the people who inspire me and keep me dreaming and keep me optimistic about you know our our opportunity to have impact are the people who are a glass half full and who really see life as a gift yeah beautiful Thank you so much for sharing. Final questions. I love to finish off by asking just a few questions that I know our listeners would love to hear you answer. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? Just one advice. You've given so many advice already, so just whatever (laughs) comes to mind. It would be to challenge every belief you have about what's possible for your life to constantly question what it is that's holding you back because in questioning and being curious and being open to the alternative, whether that's the belief or an alternative possibility, you create just boundless scope for, for achieving in your life. Yeah. Love that. I'm such an avid reader, so I'm always interested to know, do you have a favorite book and why? And uh, you already mentioned one, but you have another one. One of my favorite books that was really instrumental for me was The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Yeah. You learn in that, I suppose, the, the concept that I just shared about questioning what it is that you believe you can achieve with your life because Gay talks about how as people we tend to think we can't have it all. We tend to default to I can't have wonderful relationships and a successful career and travel the world and be able to help people. I'll have to choose. And so we sabotage. And when you go on that personal development journey, you you learn to catch yourself in those moments of self-sabotage. It's why so many of us, you know, adopt the practice of meditation and then suddenly when we feel good, we stop doing it or we stop doing yoga when everything's going well or we stop the gratitude journal when, you know, we're feeling grateful or we stop appreciating the little things when, you know, when we're in great relationships. And so that book for me was really about uncovering tools to believe in 
the law of attraction really you know our ability to attract and be magnetic to for to opportunities that we seek in our lives and to stop just getting in the way yeah and it's the reason that most people don't pursue their dreams is because they're just getting in their own way they have um, a belief about why something can't work for them and that book really helped me to break break it down and create some logic to why our brains default to that and I love and I I think you share this passion for understanding just the science of how our brains operate and that we have, you know, optimism biases and a tendency to default to the negative sometimes. And so reading those sorts of books and having the strategies to recognize when those um, boundaries come into play and when we, you know, are sabotaging ourselves to have the tools to be able to catch that out and to, you know, I suppose, bounce back faster. Yeah. And it's interesting because it triggered me to share that I I read so many books and I don't always do follow every book that I read, obviously. (laughs) I read quite a few of them. But it always gives me the optimistic view. So regardless if I do something out of that book and sometimes, you know, a big consumer of books, I don't always do the work. And I know that um, to really get most of a book, you need to do all the exercises and all the books. But sometimes it's just the inspiration you need to actually take you to that next level. So yeah, that book is a brilliant. We'll we'll make sure that uh, that's in the show notes. And I always take make a little note myself to because I always ask every guest about their favorite book, and it's often books that I read maybe a few years ago. So mm. I read that a few years ago, and I actually pulled it up when we were moving the other day. So I'm going to reread that. So thank you very much. I would love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite stationery product. Oh, I do the gold pen, and you had it at lunch. <laughs> I just have that with me all the time. Yeah. I think that having a having a beautiful pen just reminds you to write and it's so often a temptation to just make a note on your phone or to type it out and I'm much faster at typing than I am writing and yet I worked really hard to make my handwriting beautiful when I was younger I wanted to have beautiful handwriting and so having a beautiful pen and a gold one that catches my eye too is really useful and I always get compliments on it as yeah. well. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Thank you for sharing. It's my favorite pen as well. And we actually now have people who have heard that on the podcast coming into stores. What's, what's Christina's favorite pen? <laughs> and my sleep journal as well. Yeah. I love that. I have yeah. it beside my bed because yeah. I always remember you saying that the inspiration for Geeky K came in the early hours yeah. of the morning. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people who wakes up with a racing mind of ideas, so yeah. I've got to write them Capture down. Capture them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good idea. We have a 3M notebook, actually, that you can have next to your book to take all your notebook, all your ideas in case instead of the phone to kind of remove your phone yes. from the bedroom. Sure. One last question. It's been so inspirational. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? <sighs> don't overthink it so just just do it just start there are so many reasons to not start and yet so many rewards to be had from just giving it a go yeah even if it leads to failure or a mistake or you know the realization that there's so much more to learn yeah and as a reformed perfectionist I wouldn't say that I would want to have learned that sooner because life is what it is and it's played out perfectly. But I used to overthink things way too much. Yeah. One of the keys to success in business, I think, is making quick decisions. Yeah. 
So if you're overthinking things, then you're probably not making decisions. Yeah. Beautiful way of ending this super inspiring conversation. Thank you so much, Paris, for coming in on a Saturday to do this and also for all that you do. I, um, I'm super excited to see well to do going global so we can all uh, go to your events around the world. But for anyone who's listening and traveling, um, you do them constantly in the UK, so they can always come here first. But no doubt your dream to spend half here, half in Australia, and then maybe even US. I can't wait to see your dream coming true and also all the stuff that you're doing for everyone and the people that you have on your list that you're coaching are some of our podcast guests previous and up and coming and the work you're doing and and it's incredible and I always hear beautiful things about you so not just about business but also what a beautiful human you are and what a gift you are to this world so thank you so much thank you for having me it's been an absolute pleasure and always very inspiring to have these conversations and just be reminded of how the journey has unfolded. It's important to look back and to celebrate things that you've achieved. Yeah. So thank you. No, it's been a gift. You. Thank you. Wow. I am so inspired. I absolutely love chatting with Lauren about all things business, wellness, and mindset. I truly hope you are feeling as inspired as I am after listening to this episode. I just love her thought on the importance of believing in yourself and the power of challenging every belief you have about what's possible for you. There is so much truth to the idea that if you truly believe you can do something, you can. Something else we are very aligned on is the importance of taking the time to find and understand your why or your purpose. Once you discover your why and it becomes clear to you, it really does make it so much easier to navigate the more challenging times as well as help guide you in the right direction when making important decisions about your work, life or business. This is something I believe very strongly in, which is why the first few chapters of my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, are not only dedicated to dreaming big, but also finding and exploring your passions and how this can help you move towards finding your true purpose and your why. If you haven't got a copy of it yet, it's full of tips and inspiration to help you on the path to living the life of your dreams. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I would also love your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. So please help us spread this message by sharing our podcast with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. And if you want to see more about what's happening in my world, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Kiki K. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.